1: plushcarecom slash loss.
2: The long game
0: with LZ
2: and Leech Welcome to the long game with Elz and Leach from the Recount, where every week we talk about the biggest stories in sports and how they impact culture, politics, and business. I'm Elsie Granderson,
0: and he's Will Leach. We are doing our best to keep our energy up today. (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of things leaking out in the world that are making us feel bad. We're going to do our best to plow through it. We'll discuss that in a moment. We have a full slate of stuff today, as always, because there's always sports stuff happening. First, we're going to preview the second round of the NBA playoffs, which kicked off on Sunday. Already, we've seen great individual performances, plenty of drama, quite physical play, and two road teams win. LZ, do you think the NBA has the best postseason? You had me at the NBA as the best. Okay, best postseason and regular season.
2: <laughs> there you Even go. Even the load
0: management is exciting
2: in the NBA. There you go. Yeah, you can see what the guys are wearing. Speaking of what the guys are wearing, we'll take a look back at the 2022 NFL draft. And I'm not going to lie, Will, my favorite move was when Sean McVay dissed Bill
0: Belichick. I got to say, after you win the Super Bowl, you can kind of feel yourself a little bit. (laughs) Good for him, man. Enjoy it. You got to do it again next year, but for now, you can be the king. And later, we will be joined by Jack Flaherty, star pitcher of my beloved St. Louis Cardinals, to talk about the unwritten rules of baseball, which are almost always the cause of bench-clearing brawls, like the one that happened last week between his team, my team as well, and the New York Mets. The reason they're unwritten is because everyone seems to have a different idea of what these rules are. So in the end, personally, I don't think these rules actually even exist. But LZ, I'm very curious to hear Jack explain this to us. I think you're going to be
2: really shocked, Will, about his opinions about these unwritten rules.
0: I'm very excited. I, and also, I, I, hopefully he's going to tell me he's going to be starting pitching next week because <laughs> we need him. We need I, Jack Flaherty back. There's no question about that. Eh, he's coming into the Dodgers like everybody else. No,
2: don't you dare. <laughs> Watch your mouth. And then we wrap up the show with This Week in Sports History. And remember when tennis great Billie Jean King became the first prominent athlete to be outed
0: way back in 1981. A long time ago in every possible way. I don't know, though. I'm looking at the news right now. Nothing feels a very long time ago right now, does it? Mm, No, it does not. Okay. So before we get into all that, I feel like we probably should just get into the thing that's certainly weighing on our minds right now. LZ, how are you feeling? in the wake of a pretty stunning leak from the Supreme Court last night?
2: Well, you know, the leak was stunning. The decision was expected, right? Right, right. Like, it was stunning only in that it was leaked and it appears by all reports that Justice Roberts confirmed the leak's accuracy. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone who watched the way that the Supreme Court was being shaped over the last administration, they are shocked by this decision that's expected to come down from the land's highest court. And it's it's twofold, right? One is actually the large ramifications of this decision and how it impacts everyone's lives, not just women. And I know people like to characterize this as a women's issue or women's reproductive rights issue. But... Until human beings are able to spawn asexually, it's my understanding that men, too, should be concerned about this. They, too, should be concerned about the health of their daughters, of their aunts, of their mothers, of their sisters, of their wives, of their girlfriends, of the woman who works at the cashier registry, of the police officer. I mean, this should never, ever have been framed as a women's issue to begin with because, Men are also impacted by this as equally and should be very, very concerned, very concerned. We've already seen what feels like pages of the hands tale being used as legislation in some of the red states, and that's with the protection of Roe v. Wade. So imagine what may transpire if this decision truly is overturned. I'm gutted, Will. I'm gutted, and I'm going to push through this episode Hmm. because we're professionals. Yes. But if our listeners have truly been listening, they would expect nothing less from us, right? We are supposed to talk about these things, whether we're sports-driven or not, because that's what we do at The Recount, and that's what we do with the long game, is that we don't pretend as if sports and life are in these two separate bubbles. If a league is willing to put on pink and wear pink cleats and bring attention towards Breast Cancer Awareness Month, then that same league should be making statements about what that decision could mean to the very women whose pink you're wearing to honor. So I'm upset. I'm on the verge of tears. But, you know, we're, as a country, are going to persevere, right? I yeah, um, hope so. <laughs> I do hope so.
0: <laughs> that's that's what we do. That's why we do this show and it's not just, you know, fantasy factoids for your betting lines for, for tomorrow. I would be really sad doing that show. I don't think I would like that show. <laughs> I think that one of the many disturbing things about this, obviously, the way that uh, Alito appears to have written this, it seems to crack the door open to all sorts of things. Listen, abortion is not specifically put in the in the Constitution and so therefore it's not protected. The number of things that that potentially leads itself to are substantial. And he put a line in there saying, "Now we're not saying there's anything other than abortion, but that's not how history works, right? No one's going to care about that line. When they go after gay marriage next, or they should overturn loving, they're not going to be like, oh, well, Alito said to just limit it to abortion. They're going to use the same kind of model he did. Jonathan Shate, wrote what I thought was a good piece for New York Magazine about this, basically kind of saying, let this be the final nail in the coffin of, well, the Supreme Court will do the right thing. The Supreme Court will save us on this. And this has been a chestnut for a long time for liberals. For crying out loud, we just did this last year with NIL, right? Well, the Supreme mm-hmm. Court said it. So NCAA has got to be listening now. It's now very obvious what the Supreme Court is. Like it is an obviously political organization. This is the culmination of a five decades project. And this is what they were trying to make happen. So Chait's argument is, listen, if you want to fix this, stop looking for the Supreme Court because they're not going to save you, you, we got to vote. <laughs> and I know that's very easy to say, and, it's, and it feels like a platitude a little bit now because it feels like we just did that and got nothing out of it. So I understand that idea, but in the face of perhaps total helplessness, I would love for the 50 senators to be able to do something to codify something about this. But I've spent a year waiting for that to happen. I I don't know what other option there is. I know that Roberts has said this is not the final decision. We're still in the deliberating process. But I mean, as you pointed out, I think that clearly this was the direction that this was being set up. And to be fair, Senator Collins from Maine is very, very disappointed in the two justices who are. Oh, well, if she's dis-
2: disappointed that yeah. perhaps they'll reconsider.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, they don't want to upset her. Right? <laughs> yes, that so, bedrock
2: of morality, that yeah. Susan Collins, I tell you. So, yeah, it's
0: hard. It's obviously hard. And I'm glad <laughs> you brought up just to, to at least touch on sports a little bit of this. It is interesting to me, after all the social activism that we've seen in sports over the last uh, year and a half, two years. I'm curious, this feels like something that leagues aren't going to touch.
2: Well, I mean, the WNBA is a league, and I'm assuming they're going to say something. They
0: are. But the leagues that were big advocates after George Floyd, I guarantee you, major league baseball you say nothing about this. They're saying nothing about it. And the NFL ain't saying anything about it. I'd love to be proven wrong with the NBA. It's one thing for a league to say we're fighting for racial justice. It's another thing for them to wade into wade into abortion. I would be surprised, sad to say, to see them get involved in this.
2: And if the issue was about abortion, then I would not necessarily fault them. Right. But the issue isn't about abortion.
0: I know. I know. I bet they will The say issue
2: that is about a woman having autonomy over her own body, being able to make her own decisions and counsel with her own physician as she tries to make what is probably the most difficult decision of her life. That's what this is about. Yeah. It's about seeing a woman as an individual who is capable of making a decision about her own body without having legislative bodies that have been dominated by men since the founding of this nation and has always tried to dictate what a woman can do with her body, who she can marry, who she can love. And now essentially rape victims are going to be forced yeah. to turn by the governments of some of these states in our country. That's what this is about. And yeah, you can certainly have a separate conversation, about abortion, which is an aspect of the larger conversation. But what some conservatives have been successfully able to do is flip the conversation so that the woman's right to her own body, her own agency over her very self, becomes secondary. And what becomes primary is a debate about abortion dominated by people who would never ever receive one or be in position to have to get one, right. by men. Right. That's what this conversation is about. So yes, you're right, Will, baseball and football and you know NBA, like those leagues aren't probably gonna to touch it because they can say it's a women's issue, it's a religious issue, it's about abortion and that's not what we're about. But the truth of the matter is that's just rebranding. We have had laws in this country Again, since its founding, in which men have been telling women what to do with their bodies. And just when you think we're on the cusp of leaving those draconian moments behind us, this leaks out late last night, and we're reminded that we really haven't progressed that far at all from the sort of misogynistic nature that leads lawmakers to believe that when it comes to the issue of reproductive rights, men can make decisions about men and men can make the decisions for the women. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. just kind of where we are again. And to make matters even more disappointing is that I can't help but wonder what role did Justice Ginsburg play in not just kicking down the door in terms of, you know, gender equality, but because she stayed in the court so long and left open an opportunity for a more conservative voice to be placed as a justice, I can't help well but wonder what role did that play in us being here today? Pretty big one, I'm sad to say. It's, it's a horrible sense of almost Oedipus or Shakespearean level irony yeah. of it all, right? Like it's... Yeah. It's all just icky, and there's not enough hot water, my friend, to clean off the ick off my body right now.
0: And just to close on this, I feel obliged to repeat, this is not what Americans want. (laughs) There was a poll this morning, the majority of Republicans don't want Roe v. Wade overturned. It feels like a weird thing to have to remind people of, but like, people don't want this. And they're doing it anyway, which I think speaks to an even larger issue which I think we're seeing put into place all across the country in all sorts of very, very depressing ways. So anyway, Uh, let's talk about John Morant, LZ. Anyway. For our first big sports topic, round two of the NBA playoffs. Kumpo,
2: Williams, stout defense, threw it to himself. Oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside. Wow.
0: It's Paul to traffic and off the glass What a shot by Paul Looking for more jump pass Adebayo to the cup
1: Brooks comes off a screen Bain to Clark, Clark to Morant Morant on the drive, scoop layup No good, it's over Golden State holds on And wins game one
0: That was the sweet sound of the second round of the NBA playoffs. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. At this point, one game has been played in each of the four series. In the East, Milwaukee beat Boston. Miami took care of Philadelphia. In the West, Golden State squeaked out a very terrific game against Memphis. And Phoenix took care of Dallas. But of course, LZ, there is a long way to go. What I love... LZ, about the NBA playoffs, is how much more intense the games are compared to the regular season. Every possession matters. That Memphis and Golden State game was just punch after punch after punch in just the most exciting possible way with this established team and this young up and coming team, just every storyline you could possibly want. And no one can hide from the pressure. It is always fascinating to see who steps up and who shrinks. In the moment, now we're pretty early in the second round, so a lot of the storylines we'll be following have not fully taken shape yet. But I'm curious, LZ, what has stood out most for you so far? Three things so far through okay. the first game, if
2: you will. Of <laughs> yeah, these there's semifinals. only one. There's only been one in each. Yes. Yeah. Number one, Giannis is big, man. <laughs> yeah. Like Jason Tatum, at times was guarding KD, who some think is the best player in the league. Certainly, one of the greatest scorers to ever touch a basketball. And, you know, did okay, yeah. right? As a team defense, the Celtics did okay. And Jason Tatum at times did okay yeah. when he was isolated against KD. Giannis was eating his ass up, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll tell
0: laughs> that you, shit ain't right. going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's every mythical creature combined. It's really incredible to watch. I stood next to Jason Tatum. Jason
2: Tatum is significantly bigger than me. Like, to the point that if (laughs) I was in a basketball court and he posts me up, you would need a magnifying glass to see me behind him with my elbow in his back. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's just a big dude. And Giannis made him look like Muggsy Bogues. And he's fast and he's strong. And now that he's a champion, he just seems so much more confident and relaxed. Like, you can't rattle him in the free throw line anymore. I know. You can't back away and, and yell self-check and, and goat him into taking yeah. shots he doesn't want to. He's becoming a fully developed superstar and he's coming into his full powers. And I think this series and the next series will be cakewalks for the Bucks, Unless... The dynamic duo in Boston start going nuclear the way that Kyrie and LeBron did towards the latter part of the 2016 finals with both of them dropping
0: 40 points and just going off all of a sudden. If Giannis can do this against Boston, the hottest team in the NBA, without Middleton, and just basically I mean, take over on the road, like it feels like, wait, if he can do this, then this we're, we're done here. We're done here. He's not <laughs> afraid
2: of taking on Embiid. He destroyed DeAndre Ayton already once in the yeah. finals. I'm, I'm running out of things to throw at him to suggest that he's not who he is, which is that damn dude. Yeah. As I look at all the remaining teams, I ask myself, if you had to deal with that, can any of these teams come up with a plan? And I'm like, mm. yeah. if Giannis is healthy, I mean,
0: he dropped the 50 piece to close out the finals. And it looked like he did it on purpose. I think he looks better now than he did in the playoffs last year. And he looked incredible last year. I always joke about this. I play a lot of uh, NBA 2K with my son. We like to play the historical team sometimes. And I always try to pinpoint when exactly is the best year for each of these guys. When are they at the absolute peak? When was Magic's best year? What's Jordan's best year? This version right now mm-hmm. feels like the peak Giannis. And maybe not. Maybe we'll be it, saying I mean, in a year. Peak Giannis. As of now. Right, right. In a year from now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, remember how good we thought he was back then? Now he can literally fly. Man, he used to have <laughs> a
2: hitch in his jump shot that was always, in my opinion, part of the reason why he was a consistent jump shooter. The one thing coaches always tell you, regardless of sports, the more motions you have in your motion, the more possibilities for things to go wrong. You want to clean it up as much as possible. He had a hitch. I think that's why he was inconsistent as a jump shooter. He doesn't have that hitch anymore, dog. And he's only going to smooth that out more and more. And it's quite possible by the time he's 31, 32. I mean, think about it. LeBron James, and I hate keep bringing his name up every time you bring up the NBA, especially since it's the playoffs, he's not even there. But this is an important part to bring up in terms of his arc. There was a time in which LeBron James led a team to the finals and he was self-checked from 17 out. <laughs> yeah, And that team still got to the finals. Yeah, And the next thing you know, that same dude has managed to put together 40 percentile shooting from three-point land at multiple points of his career and is now, what, top 10 all-time three-pointers made. Right. If Giannis takes a similar path, man, these playoffs that we're talking about right now, Might be the year that he became Giannis that we'll be talking about for a long time, to your point. He
0: feels like the one guy that can be like, oh, I'll just hit the win title button and just do it. And it feels like Giannis is the guy that can do that. What's your second of your three? So my second is these these two are are actually faster. That's okay. Two. I love talking to you. I'll talk to you all day. That's a producer problem. (laughs) Well, two. Jordan Poole is a revelation. I totally had forgotten that's the guy from Michigan. I watched yes. him play Michigan all the time. I was like, wait, that's that guy? That's incredible. He's he's about to make himself yeah. very, very valuable. He looks like Steph.
2: He's become like a bona fide star in his own right. Yeah. He may not have the all-star game and all those accolades yet, yeah. but I don't think he's hot right now. Yeah. I think this him. And then the third revelation is that John Morant. It's still that dude. Yeah, you're right. He missed the layup, whatever. But the reason why they were in that game was because of him. The reason why they have a chance in the series is because of him. The reason why they have a chance in the NBA Finals is because of him. And I didn't see anything from that first game to suggest that they can actually really stop him, despite the fact that he missed the game when he layup. He still looked like he was getting to, at worst, his second spots. And he's still pretty damn good from that spot. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that was clearly the best game of the first four games. It's funny because all the other series, like, listen, Miami is obviously well-coached at a good team. Mm -hmm. They don't have the narrative arc. That a lot of right. uh, some of these teams do is probably fair to say. And Philadelphia is without Embiid, and if they don't get Embiid back, this series could be over in four. <laughs> like, I'm right. sorry, like and I I won't even blame James Harden for it. If that doesn't happen, that it's like not even a series. And Milwaukee, Boston, we'll see. In Phoenix, Dallas, I have to say, Phoenix looks like they're already kind of in firmly control. of That this yeah. series, however, has all the narrative juice. Right? This almost feels like one of those old '90s series where, like, this, mm-hmm. like yes. Jordan has to get over to Boston, then he's got to get over Detroit, and it's just like a series of new boss levels that he has to get over until he. Can and finally make it. This is what it feels like for Ja now, right? Which mm-hmm. is an amazing thing to say that Ja feels like he's having his Jordan progression up to see what series you can get to. But it does feel that way, doesn't it? He's running into this Golden State team, which if they don't have Jordan Poole stepping up right now, they lose that game. Memphis had a chance to win that game. But it still feels like if Memphis can't get over Golden State, it's like, okay, next year's the Golden State level they get past. And then they right. get past the Phoenix level. And who knows? Maybe they'll be a year ahead of it. They're already a year ahead to be this far in the first place. But it's funny. We talked in the last series that Minnesota-Memphis was probably the best first-round series. But the thing about that was Minnesota also thinks that they're on that timeline. Yeah, which is weird because yeah, they should Yeah, because you're already behind <laughs> Memphis. <laughs> like, right. you got to get past them before you even start doing that. Golden State getting home, home court already feels like a really good sign for them. But— no matter what happens in that series, it will kind of feel like the Jaw series.
2: It absolutely will feel like the Jaw series because his personality, in addition to his spectacular play, in addition to the relationship he had with his father, in addition to the fact that his father looks like Usher or Usher looks like his father. I can't remember if he was actually older. <laughs> he's got all of this stuff. He's got the pop culture. He's got the, the true basketball intrigue. And then he has the simple fact that we have to remember they are supposed to be here. Yeah, Remember, we spent... Three-fourths of the year asking if they were for real. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cute. Good for them. They're having a good regular season. Good for a good them. Regular season. Oh right. my
2: god, they got fifty yeah. wins. Look at yeah. you get fifty yeah. wins. Aww, you got fifty good. wins.
0: Cute little grizzly.
2: Good, good grizzly, grizzly, grizzly. <laughs> and now you look up, you're like going, oh, yo man, they were down double digits in the fourth quarter for multiple games and didn't panic,
0: and just stormed back like veterans. How cool are they? There were fans wearing Vancouver Grizzly throwbacks, and they looked cool. And they like that, looked cool. That now, is. I'm how not endorsing how a return. I'm not no, no, endorsing no, no, a return. No, no. no, no fits to Vancouver.
2: Unless Big Country Brian Reeves is with them. <laughs> <I'm
0: true>. <laughs> yeah. Big Country did not make that look cool, by the way. Ah. Uh, but uh, for all the talk of like, wow, the series are so crazy. The higher seed won every single game <laughs> in the first round, and right. right now, Phoenix looks in good shape. We should probably talk about Chris Paul's perfect game to win that right. <laughs> to win that last series. Like all of these things are all coming together. And listen. I love LeBron. You love LeBron. We're no ones against LeBron here. But LeBron, anytime he's in the playoffs, always feels like one of the major plot lines is inherently LeBron and what happens right. with LeBron. And to not have him in feels like people are stepping up to fill that gap in a way that's kind of exciting.
2: I mean, not having LeBron, not having KD, yeah. make it past the first round, Kyrie, despite all the hype. I mean, you're right. It's nice to see these teams kind of step in. Just real quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Out of the four oh one teams, and so far in the semifinals, mm-hmm. which team has the best opportunity to actually come back and will still win the series?
0: Uh, if Embiid comes back, I think it's Philadelphia, but I'm not sure he's going to be back in time. I would probably still say Boston. Middleton's still out, and like right. you do need Middleton. Like he's a terrific player. He's an all star for crying out loud. Boston. Did not look ready to match what Milwaukee and Giannis was doing. That team's had good vibes for a while now. It's hard Mm. to imagine them like just going out in four or going out (laughs) in five. I think ultimately Milwaukee wins that series. But to me, Boston still got enough good stuff going. I can see them making a run. I I got Memphis.
2: I mean, one, they handled them during the regular season. Though if you comb through all of those games, you'll see at different times there were different lineups for Golden State when they Mm -hmm. were facing them. But nonetheless, you win the season series, you do come into it with some confidence. Missing the layup tells you how close you were to actually winning game one. But I think surviving the onslaught from Jordan Poole, while your superstar had a good game, not a great game, I think they come in game two way more confident. I wouldn't be surprised if they won game two comfortably. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do find a way to beat this team. Memphis is really good, man. They're really, really good. <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to our next topic, the best and the worst of this year's NFL draft.
0: With the first
1: pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trayvon Walker, there linebacker, Georgia.
2: That was our friend, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, who seems to make a weekly appearance on this podcast. Being our friend and all. (laughs) (laughs) Announcing the first selection in the 2022 NFL Draft, which concluded on Saturday. This draft was unique for a number of reasons. First round picks were traded more than ever. 10 teams didn't even make first round selections. Also the most ever. 17 wide receivers were drafted in the first three rounds, tied for the most ever. Only one quarterback was taken in the first round, and not until the 20th pick, the latest a QB, had been drafted since 1997. In fact, the second quarterback wasn't grabbed until late in the third round, the third latest in any draft for a second QB to be selected. Georgia's 15 total picks are the most by any school through the seven rounds, and 65 SEC players were taken overall. 65, Will. is old mm-hmm. enough to retire. <laughs> which is tied for the most from one conference in a single draft, which was also the SEC, <laughs> back in 2021. Things were simpler back then. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine then. Remember back those days? Back then, yes. Will, the NFL draft is as scrutinized, analyzed, and dissected as any sporting event there is. Already, millions of fans and experts have decided which teams were smart, which teams were dumb who overreached, who got a steal, who deserved an A, and who deserved a C. Just a reminder, the first game doesn't happen until September 8th. (laughs) But that shouldn't stop us from weighing in. Which teams positioned themselves best after the draft and which ones
0: screwed up? Okay, we'll start with the ones that screwed up. Hey, look, it's my Arizona Cardinals. Yay, Where do you go. go <laughs> Arizona Cardinals, nice to see you. Their decision to trade for Hollywood Brown looks a little better now that we know apparently something they already knew, which is right. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be suspended for the first six games right. of next year. And they're like, oh, we might need an extra wide receiver for a while. One of the things I admire about your Rams is there always seems to be a plan in place. And they always seem to be very confident. You can make an argument that a lot of last year, a ton of things went wrong for them. That they ultimately came around and because they had a plan be able to back themselves up. The Cardinals look like a team that is scrambling right now. They're worried about the quarterback. They're worried about their wide receivers. Everyone else is getting older. It feels like a team that is not an in stage but feels like they should have had more success by now and is scrambling to make sure that they secure something that's worrisome to me because basically now you're just counting on Kyler Murray being which he could be he was really good for the first half of last year but you need him to elevate into a truly kind of transcendent place otherwise I think that franchise is in trouble equally disturbing <laughs> I kind of agree with a lot of the arguments that the Jets had a good draft which I am uncomfortable saying out loud and not just because they drafted a man named Sauce in the first round. Though, for the record, we should all have someone in our life named Sauce. I do, actually. You don't? I don't have anyone named Sauce. That can't be a surprise to you that I have no one in my life named Sauce. I'll be your Sauce. I'll be my Sauce. I don't know if that came out right. (laughs) This is... is, Uh. Keep going. As long as there are no follow-up questions, yes. <laughs> Maybe because there's fewer quarterbacks this year. Usually quarterbacks are the ones that lend themselves most to hot takes because we can debate, is he elite? Who's the guy? Is he going to be able to be the franchise guy? When one quarterback is drafted in the first two rounds, it's hard to have those <laughs> elite quarterback conversations. But we knew
2: that, right? We yeah. knew going into this that this wasn't going to be a goldmine for QBs. And yeah. that
0: was the big part of the reason why this draft didn't have his luster, right? I have to say, one of the things I assumed we'd be talking about in this show was Baker Mayfield getting traded somewhere, and that has not happened. It's kind of remarkable that Baker Mayfield is currently listed on the depth chart as the backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson. I am going to assume that it is not going to stand that way, but it speaks once again for all the talk about how big of a deal quarterbacks are. It can shift on you so fast. And Baker Mayfield went into last year as potentially the star first overall pick quarterback for one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. And now he is a backup that his team apparently cannot get rid of. <laughs> and so like well, that, that is a wild place to kind I of I mean,
2: game. assuming that they really do want to get rid
0: of him. They've got to, right? He can't
2: come in as a backup at this point. No, but Deshaun
0: Watson isn't in the clear. True. True. <laughs> but I, I don't know how like... Whatever one's thoughts about Baker Mayfield, it's hard to imagine a guy like him being like, okay, I'll hold down the fort for four weeks until the guy that you clearly jettisoned me for in the wake of all the Watson things that we've discussed on this podcast throughout and, and then come back in. I don't know what Baker would do, but it doesn't seem like a feasible situation for anybody. Didn't they release OBJ? Yeah, yeah.
2: And didn't OBJ win a Super Bowl right after that? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Not by himself, but yes. So maybe they're thinking, you know, the last time we were in this position with a disgruntled star player, we just let them go. That player went and got picked up by the Super Bowl (laughs) winning champions. Okay. So maybe if we hold out and be just a little bit more patient, instead of just cutting bait for free, we can actually get something in return for A player, to your point, several times you've been in this podcast, had them within a game of the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was pretty good. (laughs) Like It's not like they lost it because of him. uh, So it could be that, yeah, they've decided that Deshaun is better, but that doesn't mean that Baker Mayfield is trash. And that we're not going to treat him like he's trash. We're not going to accept offers that are trash because... People in the media or in social media said that he's trash because we know the truth of the matter is, while he's not as good as Deshaun Watson, he had us within a game of the the Super Bowl, got hurt within like the first two games of this season, and played the entire season hurt, which contributed to him not performing nearly as well as he did the season before, and that he's not a bad quarterback at all, it's the simple fact that we had a chance to get someone who is transcendent like Deshaun, and we went for it. Creepy. And creepy you know, among other things, yes, but nonetheless, vastly yes. more talented than Baker Mayfield, which is like saying Michael Jordan was way better than Clyde Drexler, but that doesn't mean that Clyde Drexler was trash. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is the Clyde Drexler of the NFL. Right, right.
0: I'm just using that as an analogy. There were a lot of moves after the first couple of picks. It reminds you a little bit of, kind of what's happened in baseball the last few years, you don't really find like that Mike Ditka who's going to trade everyone for Ricky Williams sort of thing. There are no wild cards anymore. Now, a lot of these guys, and I, they're all guys, they all kind of work together. They've all been together for a long time. Yep. And, and they're all just kind of similarly minded. It feels a little bit like we are kind of in almost a money ball age in the NFL. The Rams, I think, are probably at this point... The franchise that everyone's trying to emulate in one way or one yeah, way. Yeah, but we,
2: they didn't use a, a moneyball method. Like, they weren't trying to get oh, no. the most talent on the cheap. They actually, they unmoneyballed. No, they got- I agree.
0: <laughs> but I, I mean moneyball not so much in like they used advanced stats and tried to be cheap, as more as there's a philosophy that one team has pioneered, yes. and everyone else has all tried to follow it, up on it. You've seen that in a way that really, it's funny, it's amazing that we've reached the point now where... As we talked about in the intro, a team's coach is openly mocking Bill Belichick (laughs) and who on his draft pick is. And everyone is not like, oh, the Dark Lord will destroy you. They're instead like, oh, yeah, that was a crazy pick because we're all looking at all the same draft boards as you are. It is like baseball in that way. And there's no one wild GM saying, I'm rejecting all of this stuff and just doing it my way. Other than Belichick, who, despite all the Super Bowls, everyone just mocks (laughs) as almost like past his time or what's he doing? which is really quite a fix to think it wasn't very long ago that the idea is like, well, if Belichick's doing it, it's obviously the right thing to do. And so to see how right. quickly that shifted to where Belichick can make a move, where in the past, if Belichick drafted him for everybody else, obviously he knows something that nobody else does. Now the information is so open and these people are all kind of in the same circles. If someone goes off board or goes like a couple of rounds earlier than everyone else, they're completely mocked as being outside the system, even if they're Bill Belichick.
2: I would also add that Bill probably is suffering a little bit from the fact that a little shine has come off since Tom left. Yeah, and and won Super Bowl, yes. That doesn't help. I want to give a shout-out to my other team, if I will. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. The Detroit Lions Mm -hmm. did not embarrass the city, did not embarrass the franchise (laughs) in this draft. (laughs) That was a pretty solid draft for them, especially defensively, obviously, with the superstar of Michigan. We'll see how he does in the pros, Hutchinson, you know, looks to be a beast. Yeah. I'm not willing to call him the second coming of Aaron Donald or anything like that, but he seems to be a very determined, hardworking, talented young player. And if he becomes the new face of that franchise and they get built around defense the way that those Chicago Bears teams were built around Brian Urlacher and that defense, if they become like that, that's almost doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing which is trying to find a QB that can make all the plays and get them to where they want to be. They're trying to
0: create a defense that says, we don't care who your QB is, they ain't getting shit. Which is good, because they have a quarterback that a team just got rid of because he couldn't get them to where they wanted to be. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes. Exactly. All right, when we return, we're going to discuss the unwritten rules of baseball with St. Louis Cardinals star, go Cardinals, Jack Flaherty. Ooh. Go Jack Flaherty. Please Ooh. rehab and get back to our starting rotation. We need you. Flaherty is going to tell us why these unwritten rules of baseball always seem to lead to guys standing around yelling at each other, and pretending that they want to fight, <laughs> including Jack Flaherty, who got fined for this just last week. The long game One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special mother's day deals save big on the season's most beautiful trends for a limited time get up to 50% off by going to bluenile.com that's bluenile.com
0: okay lz we're back i knew and now he says come get me and here we go You knew something was going to happen and here it is both benches empty and they are really going at it now. This has been brewing for the last couple of days and after J.D. Davis got drilled in the ankle bodies start to fly and it's these Cabrera who hit J.D. Davis is right in the
1: middle of it. That's Pete in the middle of it Lopez brand new to this team but he knew what was going to be asked of him and he dusted
0: off Arenado, and Arenado took exception he has been separated from the pack the Mets second bench clearing incident as the result of being hit by so many pitches they had one in Washington the second day of the season and now it erupts here in St. Louis and I have to say it was only a matter of time. That was the sound of a brawl, (laughs) such as it was last week between the New York Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals, which resulted in a coach tackling a player to the ground and the card's best player, Nolan Arenado, for being suspended for one game and our guest today for getting fined, though. Are we going to pay his fine? I should ask the producers. Probably not, actually. What caused the bench-clearing melee? In a game last Tuesday, Cards pitchers hit three Mets batters with pitches. The Mets were understandably unhappy because, as we all know, it really hurts to get hit by a pitch. The following day, the Mets' J.D. Davis took yet another Cardinals pitch off his foot. So, going by the unwritten rules of baseball, the Mets had every right, apparently, to retaliate. However, their pitcher, Yohan Lopez, apparently went about it the wrong way. Instead of plunking cards batter Nolan Arenado on the leg, he threw close to his head. And for Arenado, at least, Mm. that was a no-no. He started screaming at Lopez. Lopez started screaming back. The benches and bullpens cleared. A cards coach ended up body-slamming the Mets' Pete Alonso to the ground. A coach named Stubby Clap, by the way, <laughs> who is about three feet shorter than Pete Alonso, and the coach, Arenado, and the cards pitcher, Genesis Cabrera, were all suspended for one game. The truth is, when you go back and analyze the causes for bench clearing brawls, these unwritten rules don't actually make any sense. They're not consistent, and they tend to vary greatly in their interpretation from team to team. I personally think it's time they're retired forever, and we admit that sometimes players just get pissed off and want to fight. So joining us to help us make sense of baseball's own unwritten rules is one of the best pitchers in the game when he gets back from his rehab and starts dominating for my St. Louis Cardinals, Jack Flaherty. All right, start us off, LZ. So we're going to jump into it.
1: Sounds good to me.
2: When I reached out to you about joining us, I was a little surprised that you were so pro the unwritten rules of baseball. And so I guess my first question to you is, who taught you these unwritten rules in baseball? How old were you? And how did you know when to enforce them and when not to?
1: Well, I wouldn't say I'm uh, completely pro unwritten rules of baseball. I think there's certain ones that have their place in the game and there's certain ones that, as we've gone on, have gotten old and are out of place and aren't really needed to be here. But you learn them coming up. You learn them as you're playing the game. You learn them through mentors, you know, sitting around having conversations with Bob Gibson and and talking to him about certain things, the way the games play, the way we go about pitching. I think there's a place for some of these unwritten rules. And then some of them you kind of like, yeah, that doesn't really have its place in the game anymore.
2: Like what? Like which ones you think are okay, and which one has lost their place?
1: There's been issues about bat flipping that guys have taken offense to bat flipping and whatnot. And, you know, it's been the whole let the kids play movement that MLB has tried to put on everybody and people say that's not the way the game's played you know you act like you've done it before this and that I think both are true for me personally like if I'm giving up a home run and if I don't have to turn around and watch to see if the ball's going I don't look to see what the hitter's going to do if he wants to bat flip if he wants to do whatever he's got to do great man you got one I might watch to see just how far it goes be like <laughs> all right yeah like you, you got one If it's going to be one of those, like, that might get over, then we might have a couple issues if you want to act like you just big dog me and and this and that. But when guys decide to bat flip and the ball goes off the wall because they want (laughs) to – it's the look at me show, yeah, we got issues. Because I'm like, you you just look stupid at that point (laughs) because you wanted a bat flip and you either, you know, turned it into a single or – maybe barely got the second on it because you thought that oh, I got that one or I wanted to be like, look at me, watch what I'm going to do, this and that. And then when stuff is planned out beforehand, it just like you, you orchestrated that. Like it's just like, it just should happen naturally.
0: How would you respond to someone who pimped you on, on a home run and then, but the ball goes off the wall. Would you throw at him? Would you encourage someone else to throw at him or is it more just, you just jaw at him a little
1: bit? I might jaw at him. Like, especially if, you know, I get the next couple guys out, say it turns into a double. And they pimped it and they was, you know, jogging and then they had to sprint in the second. And I get through and like, I'm gonna let them know, like, I mean, I had to happen once. I let the guy know as it was coming out the field, like, you know, we don't pimp doubles around here. Like, that's not, <laughs> it's just, and I don't think that's, a, I don't know if that's an unwritten rule or yeah. whatnot. That just is like, you look stupid for trying to pimp it. Great. Like, I, like, I'm gonna turn it up another notch and like, I'm gonna make sure that you're gonna stay there. And maybe I, I, the next time around, they going to be something.
2: I would like to go back, Jack, because I just have a little bit more curiosity about the beginning of your indoctrination of the unwritten rules. Did you do something and then someone came to you and says, that's not how it's done? Or did they sit you guys all down and says, okay, if someone hits one of our guys, this is what you got to do in retaliation. Like, was it like a classroom setting? Was it individual mentorship? Like,
1: (laughs) Uh, I'll say that throwing at guys has definitely, it's gone away. You know, all the guys that are getting hit by pitches and whatnot, like none of that's on purpose. Everything that's gone on, nothing has been on purpose. I don't know what's going on with everybody getting hit. The thing is, is you have to pitch inside in this game. And when you pitch inside, sometimes guys are going to get hit. Sometimes you go inside for effect you know, throwing off the plate. But in terms of the unwritten rules of the game, for me, that goes back to high school. My high school coach was old school and he was about playing the game hard, playing the game the right way. You hit a ground ball out, you like you run it out, you go hard. No, it's not like a classroom setting. If something happens or you do something, I haven't, oof, I don't think I've had something go on where I've been talked to about something on the field of, hey, that's not how it's done around here. I don't think I personally have personally had that, but you, you you see certain things guys want to do some stuff or, or showboat or this and that. And if it's not in the right context, then yeah, it, somebody gets talked to.
0: So let's look at the thing that you just got fined for actually, of uh, coming <laughs> onto the field with the Mets Cardinals thing. What's confusing for me as someone watching this, that may know the rules, but doesn't always understand the logic behind them. Like on one hand, you have the Mets who are really angry, seemingly just because they've been getting hit a lot. I think it's McNeil, Conor, and uh, a couple other players are like the form of the guys that get hit the most in baseball. And then they're like, why are people targeting us? And so they seem really upset about that. I was watching the game. It was clear something was gonna happen when Nolan was coming up. He was the Mm -hmm. star. It was clearly building up to something. And it seemed like it was gonna be one of those things where they throw a ball behind him or they plunk him on the ass, but he thought the ball went up a little bit too high. It wasn't that close to his head, but he was still very, very angry and led to that moment. What it really felt like, to be honest, watching it is the Mets were mad. Arenado was mad. And so they would use whatever justification they could to get out that frustration and anger leading to that moment. Did you feel that Lopez was wrong with the way he handled it? Was Arenado wrong for reacting? Or is it all just something that builds and it kind of gets its own momentum and logic?
1: I think it's not something that just builds. With the way that everything went down, I mean, I'm not mad at, at Nolan for the way he responded. Nolan is an emotional guy, yeah. and I think both sides responded the same way to something that happened. Pete got upset, I think it was the night before. It it was a long series, so I'm not yeah. exactly remembering. Pete got hit in the head. Now, it was a changeup, which is why they responded and we didn't, was because it was a changeup. We understand he got hit in the head. Nobody wants anybody to get hit in the head. Right. They came out of the dugout and... There's jokes of Max was chirping us and we're just kind of sitting there like, (laughs) we understand your guy got hit in the head. It was, it was with a changeup and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And then more guys kept getting hit. Neither side was on purpose and whatnot. Sosa got hit earlier in the game. He got hit in the elbow. And then I think Nolan responded the same way that, that their guy did of, you know, it was it was up people want to say it's you know it's not close to to his head I think that's kind of b s if that dude feels that it's close enough to his head he like yeah, he's gonna respond and so that's that's all it is is nobody wants anything up around the head and when that happens, both sides are gonna have something to say no matter what if their guy got one at, at the head not on purpose accident he got up he said what he had to say Nolan said what he had to say umpire got in between and then it he just he was getting his jaw out and the next thing you know it, it was like Both sides took off because it was something that (laughs) was built.
0: But like if Lopez would have hit Arenado in the ass with an 85 mile an hour, it would have been fine.
1: It would have totally been on how Nolan responded. I can't speak for Nolan. If, if, you know, we probably would have jawed from our dugout Mm -hmm. Would sides have cleared. I don't know if Nolan would have just taken himself down to first base, probably would have been nothing. Probably would have been some jawing. That's about it. If Nolan wanted to go out, like we're going out there defending our guy.
0: But see that makes me think. Take... That makes me think there are no rules, <laughs> and it's just it's just how he's reacting.
1: Kinda. I mean, <laughs> like I said, their guys came out of their dugout when their guy took offense to getting a ball off his head. They wanted to defend him. You know, that's just the way it is. Like you're going to have your guys back. You know, it's kind of in basketball. There's a hard foul on one end. There's there's probably going to be a hard foul on the other end, and and whether or not guys start scrapping over it depends on how guys respond to it. You know, one guy takes a hard foul.
2: Will and I are both a little bit older than you. And by a little bit, I mean some decades. Not, not, <laughs> not like five decades, just to be clear. A couple. But more than one. So, thus, some is fine, accurate as fine. well. Multiple, right, plural, fine. fine Multiple decades. In. And when we were growing up, seeing physical fights respond to infractions was part of every game mm-hmm. NBA, baseball, hockey, like. Hockey, you tuned in for the fights. And then every now and then, you know, there's some scoring that happens. But as we have evolved as a society and as the games have evolved, we're seeing less and less of that fighting. Do you believe sports in general is becoming, quote-unquote, softer? Because we aren't having these sort of fights as often as we used to? Or are we smarter?
1: Ooh. Can I say both? I think... (laughs) I think there's a little bit of both I would say basketball especially for a couple years it was getting softer not necessarily because of the lack of fights but because of how ticky-tack foul calls became and I think the flagrant ones and the flagrant twos they've gotten softer like whoever last night got a a flagrant one for you know a guy took a foot to his, his nuts i don't think anybody's trying to do that but you're getting a flagrant one for that as opposed to you look back in the day as what it what it used to be i think you know, i'm smarter there's less reason for fights but i think that if somebody wants to take offense to something like you should be able to let them know and if it leads if it leads that it leads to that
0: it still, does, it still doesn't seem like unwritten rules though it just sounds like people <laughs> being mad like we're just, you, okay you police, that's totally fine at, right but, but, but...
1: but in every in every sport the game gets policed by the players. And now it's being policed by refs or umpires. You know, they want to start talking about what's going to happen with guys getting hit. Or is it an automatic ejection if it's up around the head? So they want to start policing things instead of letting teams police it.
0: Do you think if leagues just stayed out of it and let players police it themselves, these things would work themselves out?
1: I, I, I think they worked. And I, I think so. Yeah. It always did. It always yeah. did. And throughout the history of the game, it always works itself out. Yeah, I mean, warnings have always been a part of baseball, but I think it's always something that gets worked out.
2: Switching gears for a hot second here, if you consider where you are right now in your career and who just returned home, can you share with us the best part of having Albert Pujols back as a Cardinal?
1: For me, it's just really cool knowing like, like watching him growing up. That was one of my friends, his favorite player growing up. Even though he grew up in L.A., he loved Albert. And being able to be around him and to learn from him and to see how the fans react to having him back and how special it is having him around, he just brings a different feel being in St. Louis. Whenever he'd come back on another team, it was like, wow, this is cool. Like You see how the fans respond. He's really smart. He's willing to share information. He's always involved in something. But you see that the kind of impact that one person can have on a city and how much that city loves him.
0: As a Cardinals fan, I also know how much one person can have an impact on a rotation. So how is your rehab going now that I have you?
1: It's, it's good. It's good. I thought that was going go to go to Yachty and the impact that he has on <laughs>
0: No, I'm very happy to have Yachty. But I really want you back in the rotation. So please, 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 please let me know how it's going.
1: We're going good step by step. It's just At this point, it's building arm strength and building into that, which takes time, but everything feels good, feels healthy.
0: I'm glad to have you talk about Unread Rules in baseball, but I have to say, I've always been very impressed by uh, a lot of the activism that you've put into baseball. You've uh, worked with More Than a Vote. You've been involved with a lot of things. I'm curious, baseball is a sport that has fallen behind on certain issues. What do you think about baseball when it comes to the sort of activism that you've tried to do with More Than a Vote? Do you feel like there's been progress? What's your general take on your activism in the world and what we see what happens in baseball?
1: I think it's it's hard. I think that when it was at the forefront and when everything was going on, it was a lot easier to get things done. And right now things have kind of have died down a little bit mm-hmm. and there's been less, as the world has gone back to normal, there's been less of, you know, an emphasis put on on that stuff. And for me, it happened organically. It wasn't, there was never something in my, you know, my life that I thought I was going to be super outspoken about or something that was going to happen. You know, it happened. We started, we wrote a piece after the George mm-hmm. Floyd incident and then, It just continued off and from there more because I was getting asked questions by our reporters day in and day out. And it was it's something that everywhere was is kind of behind. And, you know, when all of that happened, it was a shock to the world of like, okay, no, like these athletes are going to use their platforms and speak up and and talk. And people took offense to it and not just in baseball, the basketball guys doing what they did in the bubble, the way Cap did things. People have been upset since he started his speaking out. So it's one of those things that everybody's got work to do to continue to progress this thing forward.
2: There hasn't been much said in sports leagues in general since that time period that you're referring to. And as we saw with the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida and the fallout with that, do you anticipate more distancing now? From these issues, especially given that the Supreme Court and the leaked Roe v. Wade decision and what that's going to to lead to, do you think sports are going to lean back in, or are they going to continue to lean away?
1: You no, know it's going to happen. Is we're going to see it with uh, especially with Roe v. Wade. I think that the WNBA, they were the silent leaders. I won't say silent leaders because they. Right what they did in the bubble obviously you know the nba guys they got their flowers for what they did but those in the wnba they were they were right there and almost you know we're doing more they just don't have quite the platform and we're gonna we're gonna see it because their season starts i think it's in two days and we've got roe v wade going on right now like i think they're going to have something to say on it and everybody's gonna gonna back them and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that they are going to be the ones. They've been very eager about being outspoken about everything and, and they, they just do what they feel is right, regardless of platform And there. I think everybody kind of follows somebody's lead and somebody just has to take the lead and it'll go back to that. And until then, I don't know, but I have a feeling that the the WNBA, they're going to, again, take the lead.
2: Do you think the backers will be individual male athletes or do you think it'll be league statements?
1: mm I'll start with individual athletes, and that would kind of put the pressure on leagues to to back them as well
0: yeah cause it's interesting. You talk about how there has been a step back. It doesn't feel like if the all star game were taking place in Atlanta this year that they would be pulling it <laughs> would probably be the best the best yeah. way to put that
1: yeah i don't yeah, I don't think so. I think it was <laughs> at at the time um but nobody knows what's going on in Atlanta. You know, yeah. It's just not talked about as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. though it's still...
0: I live in Georgia. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, things, don't,
1: yeah. things haven't changed for, you know, yeah. Go Back to the Rights Movement, but it's been two years. It's not like everything's solved just like that.
2: Last question for you. So now we got to let you go, my man. The ending of Ozark.
0: I, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't <laughs> watched those
1: arcs. So I don't know what you about okay, to ask. Okay,
0: we can't <laughs> talk about it then. Okay, you what? can't talk. What are you doing, man?
1: I have not watched any of it. Everybody talks about it. I'm, no, I'm, I'm stubborn like that. Where everybody's big on something, I won't, I won't. <laughs> do oh, it. you one of them, huh? I'm <laughs> one of them. I am one, of them. Oh, one of them. Well,
0: I read the news. If that's what you mean. Uh... <laughs> oh, God. Yes,
1: right. yes,
2: it is worth watching. Though I, I will add that the more and more. Who we are as a nation gets revealed, the less and less shows like Ozark and Animal Kingdom uh mm-hmm. seem shocking. Yeah. <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah. Everything everything nightmarish feels like a documentary these days, doesn't it? it does. It's really wonderful. All right. Well, Jack, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking with us and good luck with your rehab. Please come back soon. My son wears a Flaherty jersey when he pitches at practice all the time. I love that. He wanted me to say hello and uh, and to get to come back soon.
1: Appreciate it, Will. Appreciate Thank it. you, Rosie.
2: And now, Will, it's time for This Week in Sports History, where we break down an event from the past through the lens of 2022.
0: You know, unless somebody's ready, They shouldn't be outed. I was outed. I think you were as well. Yeah, I was outed. I was the first athlete. And I told the truth, though. Yeah. And what was that like for you, especially on such a public platform? It was horrible. In fact, I had a fight with my lawyer and my PR person, my publicist, for 48 hours. They said, you're not going to do this. And this was 81. Mm. This is how much shame was attached to it. And when Mm. it got down to bottom line, I told the truth. I said, I'm going to do it, I don't care. This is important to me to tell the truth. So I told the truth, but I still had problems after I told the truth. What
1: would you tell yourself to do differently now? And come out earlier.
2: You just heard tennis legend Billie Jean King speaking with NBC in 2017, describing the moment 41 years ago this week when she was outed as gay. King was one of the most famous and respected athletes on the planet, a world number one seven times, a winner of 12 Grand Slam singles titles, a founder of the Women's Professional Tennis Tour, and a leading advocate for gender equality. But she had always kept her sexuality a secret from the public. That changed dramatically when King was sued in Los Angeles County Superior Court by her former girlfriend, Marilyn Barnett, who was demanding King's house in Malibu and half her earnings during the seven years she claimed the two were together. Although a judge threw the case out of court calling it, quote, attempted extortion, end quote, King attempted to burrow deeper into the closet, trying to limit the damage in that much more homophobic era of American society. She blamed the relationship with Barnett on loneliness rather than admitting to her attraction to women. But the immediate reaction was fierce. King lost at least $500,000 in endorsements. TV commercials with her were shelved. Women then pulled out of a deal to make clothing with her. And the chief executive of Charleston Hosiery called her a, quote, slut when firing her. In 1987, King fell in love with her future wife, Alana Claus, and they've been together ever since. But it wasn't until the mid-1990s that she was comfortable coming out to the world. Well, we heard Billie Jean King talk about what she would do differently if this incident happened today. And indeed, we live in a very different world when it comes to LGBTQ rights and visibility these days.
0: But the way this country has been going, how far have we really come? It's really remarkable. And whatever, I'm kind of feeling in the wake of Monday Night's leak, the idea of saying, wow, can you believe how bad things used to be? Glad those (laughs) days are over. I'm not feeling really comfortable about that right now. But I will say, talk about palpable Pain. This changed her career. This Mm -hmm. changed everything. She had to keep playing, which didn't want to. That Charleston hosiery person who called her a slut. It is hard to wrap your mind around all of it. And it is unfathomable to me that not only did she have to hide, but that it's so obvious and so palpable. She was treated when this happened as if she had some scandal where she'd murdered someone or had had like this horrible drunk driving accident and tried to hide it. And once it was discovered, her career was in ruins. It's shocking to me. It shouldn't be. And who knows? Maybe in the future it won't be shocking because it'll happen again the way things are going right now. But certainly it's hard to wrap your mind around how much she suffered Because of something, I wouldn't say specific to that time, but certainly the idea that her being outed was not just personally embarrassing and personally difficult, but she was treated so monstrously when it happened. I don't know. It's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. Thank you, Will.
2: Thank you for letting me know how much work I have left to do in my (laughs) career as I try to like fight for LGBTQ plus equality. And the reason why I'm thanking you is because your repeated use of the word shocking and past tense characterization of Billie Jean King just reminds me of how I still have to tell people and inform people that that shit's happening still right now. Yeah. Literally, we watched transgender Americans lose their careers in the military Because the president of the United States decided, I don't want you there. Remember? That just happened. Yeah. That just happened. We have governors right now signing into law bills that tells transgender students they can't participate in their sport because of discrimination. That's happening right now. Right now. That's an extension of what Billie Jean King went through 40 years ago. Where your very being is so offensive to us, we're going to ostracize you culturally or legislatively. And for most of the time, it has been both. I mean, I'm talking from real experience. I've had people look at me and tell me they weren't sending a faggot into the locker room and wouldn't hire me to work in sports. That happened to me. (laughs) So, I would like to think that in some ways, yeah, if an athlete like Billie Jean King had been outed, we would have handled things very differently. And I'm sure we would have handled things differently, Will, but I don't know if we would feel differently. Hmm. I don't know if we would feel differently. Right now, we're worried if same-sex marriage is going to be next in the Supreme Court. Only a nation that has enough people that dislike or hate queer people will be wondering if marriage for queer people could be remain legal. <laughs> so in some ways, yes, we're very different than when Billie Jean King was outed. But I'm reminded time and time again that the way that we cover something isn't synonymous with the way that we feel about something. And I think, you know, there is something to be said about the political correctness of our language in public. Because if we really were in sync with the way we talk about these issues personally, as we are publicly, then we wouldn't still be talking about these issues in the way that we do. (laughs) I just think there's just a whole lot of bullshit out there, man. We've just been conditioned not to see it for what it truly
0: is. Yeah, as we discussed at the very beginning of the show about how it feels that corners that have been turned now we're going backwards. Perhaps I'm mixing metaphors. But I wonder, like, it does feel that nationwide, there has been a change in the way yes, that people talk yes. about this than, yes. uh, than there was, was when this happened. Obviously, people will react different publicly. I guarantee that sponsor is not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we've changed on that. But I think what's most disturbing, and this takes us back to the Roe v. Wade conversation we had at the beginning of the show, what's really frustrating is that the change in public opinion has almost made the backlash for the people that are so angry about this more fierce and it's made them more determined to bring us backwards. And so, on one hand, I can say, wow, things are really different, and this would not happen now, at least specifically in her circumstance. Your points about transgender athletes are obviously very well merited. But certainly, Billie Jean King would hopefully not have to feel that she would have to be closeted in the first place. But more to the point, we would react differently. But I also feel like the fact that we would react differently has made the people that are the assholes about this that much worse and that much more vile and that much more determined to roll us backwards?
2: Well, you know, I think only time will really tell. And I say that because, you know, we have a midterm election coming up. We'll see how the nation votes. You know, we have obviously another presidential election coming up. We'll see how the nation mm-hmm. votes. You sure will. Because again, the way that we may talk about it in public is different. And the way that a lot of people may feel about it is different. But there still is something there that prevents there being a visceral response to homophobia and transphobia so that an elected official or a candidate who espouses these things is automatically disqualified. That's not true yet.
0: I mean, DeSantis is thriving from it.
2: Right. 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 (laughs) So it's hard for me, Will, to jump on this notion that that's way, way back in the day, 40 years ago, when we don't have this visceral response to when people are saying unwarranted and disparaging things about us. You know, and it's the same thing, honestly, when it comes to matters of race, where elected officials say or enact racist policies or they say racist things and that doesn't disqualify them. In fact, you can be fucking president afterwards. You can go up in the polls. So how am I supposed to feel that what Billie Jean King went through is so far back in the <laughs> day, we'd be way better back then, Yeah. when the president of the United States, who was elected and then almost reelected, has been targeting queer people in policies. <laughs> Got the second most votes in the history of this country, yeah. and he has a number of policies and a number of his secretaries in his administration targeting queer people. How the hell am I supposed to think we're better off than we were forty years ago with Billie Jean King when that can happen?
0: And I think it speaks to my own bubble, to be honest, on this, which is to say, I went back and read some of the things that some of your sports columnists were writing when this happened with Billie Jean King. Let's say there were some that were coming out very strongly in support of her and how, could not believe this happened. It was not universal. <laughs> it's fair. Right. It's fair to say. And now I feel like it would be universal, but that doesn't mean necessarily that things have actually changed. It just means in our industry, people have become smarter about this stuff. And I think generally mm-hmm. poll numbers say, if you ask people the question, they are more in support of gay rights and, and gay marriage and yeah. so on. They are more supportive than they were in 1981. To a point. To a point. Yeah, that's agreed, agreed.
2: But, but if there's if there's a tax cut involved, yes. then it's like, If well. there's any actual friction
0: <laughs> other than just saying, yes, I support that, then you're right. There, there's something different to begin. And we'll find out because... This is my naivete, uh, as usual, as a straight white dude in his 40s. But like I have to tell you- like Wait, you're my, uh, yeah, Barely, right? I know. But more to the point, I really thought we turned a corner. I really honestly did feel like mm. there was a corner turn. And we're not all the way there, obviously, but things would continue to be going in the right direction. And uh, that was not right. <laughs> that was not right <laughs> to any stretch of the imagination. So uh, that's also not great. You need to set up and dribble. I just need to shut up, and whatever I do otherwise is irrelevant, but I definitely need to shut up. And
2: that's our show for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The Long Game with Elsie and Leach. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. The Long Game is produced by Pierre bien Megan Burney, Mark Levine, and Marshall Isaac. Music is by Gloria Tales with some sign design by David Wilson. We'll be back with another podcast next Wednesday. And who knows? Maybe by then, Duel and B will be back playing. And maybe then things will be better? I'm not hoping for that much.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.